Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast, number 593. It's a partially hostful intro because Matt Myra happened to be in my dressing room here in New York. He's exhausted. Yep. He's been working a lot. Yeah. I don't know what he's going to say. Or he... Well, I'm going to say it was really fun talking to Tom Bergeron about Massachusetts. You're, you're, you're not even a, a loose cannon. You're like a tired cannon yeah, right now. I'm a tired cannon. It wasn't even on this episode. No? <laughs> <laughs> now you are, technically. Uh, theoretically, yeah. I think I should just show up in the uh, intros from now on. No, I think you People should start... People seem to like listening to the You should start showing up on the shows. Well, you know how it is with the schedule. I've been in New York all week. Hey, fuck you, man. More hostfuls or I'm walking. <laughs> so this episode with Tom Bergeron, mm-hmm. did, were you, did you feel at all like, oh, my voice isn't as good as his? His voice is great. Yeah, he's got a radio voice. He has an amazing voice and a, and a, and a strong presence. And he's, first of all... Dancing with the Stars is still on, I believe. And then uh, also uh, the 25th anniversary of America's Funniest Home Videos. And this is going to be Tom's last season. Whoa. Oh, should I take it over? Yeah, probably. I should probably host that I feel that like show you now. need something to do on Saturdays. <laughs> between noon and yeah. like, between like <laughs> 1 o'clock and 4 p.m. Yeah, yeah We can like sandwich like it in there. thing you need to do. We could bang out like a month's worth of shows yeah, in that I mean, time. we don't technically tape at midnight on Fridays. Yeah. You could do two AFVs a week. That's right. You go in, record some funny voiceover. And then as soon as they make that super-powered underground train that goes from LA to New York, I can just get around the country easily. Now, I haven't watched America's Nice Video in a little while. Very funny show, and I do, like, when I'm flipping, I, I stop on it. But I haven't stopped on it long enough to know, do they still vote in the audience? Do they pull a thing out of the back of the chair and hit the button? They'd have to. But does that is there still like a thing that's clunky and wired and they hit a one, two, or three? This is why I would recommend that you watch Tom Bergeron's final season of Maybe America's Funniest Home Videos. Yes, too. That's not gonna happen. We don't cover that. Yeah. Spoiler oh, you don't alert. Cover that? No. Guys, turn it off. You no, need... Matt, stop it! Hey, guys, keep listening. It's a good save. <laughs> God damn it. Get some rest. <laughs> now entering nerdist.com. I don't know if you will remember this. Uh, the first time we met, do you know we've met before? I'm assuming that you're not lying to me now. Okay, good. In the year 2000, <laughs> at the dawn of the 21st century, I was on uh, Hollywood Squares. Oh, okay. All right. Um, uh, I was too in the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were, you were yeah. hosting, yeah. and it was uh, it was really fun because I got to be on with uh, Martin Mull and Terry Gar right. and Richard Kind and just all these really great, really great funny people. Yeah. people. And I didn't really know much about you at the time, but I remember between takes of something because you shoot, we shot five shows in a That's day. That's right. Yeah, on a Saturday it was like five shows. Yeah, and uh, and I'll never forget this. It was the first time I was like. Oh, oh, Tom Bergeron's really funny because something I just didn't know you before, and right, something sure. happened, and you said nobody ever expects the Inquisition, uh, and I'm like, he just referenced Python, right? Right. He Tom Tom must be a comedy guy oh, to, thanks, to a degree. Thanks. It was that was a an incredible uh, show to do because 
on those occasions, and it happens when you're not really 100% into it, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever, some, you know, something in your personal life or whatever. I, instead of worrying about it, I would just allow myself to be a fan yep. of the nine mm-hmm. of them. And invariably, that would, like, prime the pump. And I'd be, you know, a half a show or two shows in, and suddenly I was, I was fine. Because it just was too good to pass up. You had incredible people uh, in there. When Robin Williams passed away, I, I, I put up uh, on Twitter... Uh, one of his appearances with Whoopi and Billy Crystal mm-hmm. for, and they were doing comic relief then, and uh, and it was a just a really um, emotional in light of what happened uh, episode because you saw him sort of in his prime, yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, I love doing that show. Where where did you start? In my hometown when I was seventeen in radio. Uh, I was in high school and uh, a teacher of public speaking, was a part-time newsman in the local radio station, and I put on my brown nose, and I got to know him really well. <laughs> Did you have a radio name? This is Tornado Town. No, gonna... no, I didn't. No. I, well, tornado, I, you can I, use Tornado Town if you I want. Think, really? Yeah. yeah. Totally okay. Easy. All right. Yeah, what, no it. one at the Weather Channel has that? I don't think so. Really? Okay. They should. Well, yeah. we did have, we did have like Johnny Mountain. It was like all, everyone, everyone. Oh, there, yeah, those, and you got to have that voice when you, you got to do the guy to. Oh, there was one time I was uh, doing a morning show at WBZ in Boston, and, and the, uh, the sports guy who was also the play-by-play guy for the Patriots on radio, uh, was late. And, uh, and I guess he just figured we'd ignore it. But I, I figured, well, there's supposed to be sports on. <laughs> so I, I turned into Biff Bergeron with sports because <laughs> in my mind, a lot of sports guys have this kind of exaggerated way of talking. And, you know, the, the Celtics are looking good this season. You know, he came in. He was fucking furious. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tab, I just want you to know that's not how we yeah. all talk. No, no, we don't talk like that. You're doing yeah, it right yeah. now. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. doing it now. <laughs> that's right. No. <laughs> so you started in radio. Yeah. And then when, where did you start making the shift over to television? It, kind of by accident. I was doing a radio show in New Hampshire a couple of years later uh, in, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, a place I still go back to and love. And uh, some people in Boston TV were listening to that radio show. And I got called to audition for some shows in Boston. And uh, I ended up hosting a, a kid's show. Which, do you remember that show, Evening Magazine, PM Magazine? PM Magazine, was that right? yeah, of course. It was like that, only it was aimed at, at kids, like 6 through 12. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I went down and auditioned, and I got that, and I was working part-time in TV and radio in New Hampshire, and... And then one thing led to another. I ended up doing more and more in television in Boston. Do you? It, Can I just see this? This please. I have a text from my stranded publicist because she's uh, she's at the gate now. Stranded on island. Send stranded. food. Remember, Kyle. Tag, run. She's afraid I'll go rogue. <laughs> oh, my God. That means you have like ten minutes to go rogue. Boom, boom, boom. boom. What, what's gonna ha- What's what's rogue? Tom? What's rogue Bergeron? You've had to deal with. I mean, De- Alejandra is wonderful. She, yeah. she's she's long since given up hoping. That I'll, <laughs> you know, but but you've you've had that publicist uh, thing in the back of the room where they go. <clears throat> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I always kind of keep an eye on, and yeah. then when someone will start to stray into an area where it just, you can just yeah, you can see the shifting right yeah and yeah. The, uh, and then it's like okay so i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure there's an email coming right, right. but you know i mean our show is not we're, we're this is not really like a super controversial like people don't it's a pretty friendly so oh, we have had a, i was really hoping to stir it up no i would like you to stir it up i'm saying <laughs> i'm saying we need you to add some uh we need you to add some black coffee to yeah. this and uh yeah. and take it up a couple notches all right well i'll, I'll get rid of this first i, I okay. came i came prepared Tom, i don't think doing heroin right now during the show is gonna help well i just thought it's a podcast who would see it <laughs> who would, damn. here let me tie that off all right thanks. um what uh so did first you ever- one's free <laughs> Back up the van. <laughs> Did you ever do uh, sketch comedy improv? Anything yeah, like improv. Uh, of course, radio is uh, is largely improv, depending on the format. And right. it was for me uh, in the years I did it. And then I did, oddly enough, uh, I was a, a mime. 
as well. A radio and, mime? And what I'm going to do now on the podcast for, for Chris, and you just stare at your your computer speakers, if you would. This is a little bit of uh, mime, just okay. to prove I'm not, you know, bullshit. Okay. Huh? Tom's like uh, trapped in a box. I don't, trapped in a box. I, I don't know if there's any leaning on thin air. Okay, but you're talking. Oh, now, I'm talking. So, well, yeah, that's right. I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing mime play by play. It's sort of a, so mime play by play. That's right. That's right. Mimes don't talk like that. Yeah, they do. Um, so for a time, I was doing a morning radio show, and then I was working with the theater company at night. So doing like Marcel Marceau Jr. You know? <laughs> so a buddy of mine said, "It's weird because when we hear you, we can't see you, and when we see you." We can't hear you. Oh yeah, you flipped very, it. Yeah, it's very yin, very yang. So when, so when you started doing television, did you ever want to do? Did you ever want to be an actor, or was it pretty? Did you really just? I like working live. Yeah, and and uh, so I did some some you know stage stuff like regional theater things, but I but I always liked more of an improvisational uh, setting. I tried doing stand up comedy for a time. Yep. But I never had a, a, a real voice, a, a sort of a comedic voice that, mm-hmm. that, to filter it through. And I would end up trying to do improv and sketch, sketch comedy for, you know, drunks at two in the morning. What was your filthiest joke in your set? Do you remember? Um, no, I, don't, I didn't really have a filthy joke. But I did one joke I was proud of. I, I actually did uh, some uh, stints at the Magic Townhouse in Manhattan. I don't even know if it exists anymore. And I was the only non-magician on the bill. <laughs> um, and uh, it was, again, it's, you know, you're on at like two in the morning or something like that. And uh, so all these magicians would perform. And then I'd get up and I'd say, and now my trick is to make you disappear. <laughs> and then slowly. And then they would. They would go. Then I'd, I'd go through my act and then they'd get the up. And once it was empty, you'd go, ta-da. Ta-da. That's right. <laughs> Nothing up my sleeve. Wow. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. I mean, do. that's the best you can hope for. Yeah. If yeah. You're, if you're doing magic. Right. But I, I, I personally, um, not that this is about me, but it's, it's just fun to have another host on. Sure. Because sure. I feel like I, I'm so curious to hear about, you know, like how you view it and, and what, what's exciting to like I, acting to me was something I gave up on a long time ago. So I'm like, ah, I just wasn't really that passionate. About yeah. It. I'm not. Either. I love that. It, I love that the hosting stuff is in the moment. You get to be yourself and it's fairly, the turnover rates are really high. Like you don't have time to think about it. You right. do it. It's done. Right. You know, you're not on a set having to shoot the same thing for two weeks. Exactly. It's like, Hey, you, you know, and your show's live and you yeah, dancing it, and it's is over with. And then that's it. Hollywood squares is a good example. Uh, because as you know, we would do the five in a day and there was one particular day that the show, remember the nanny, yes. Fran Drescher show. So they were going to shoot a scene, uh, on Hollywood squares where, um, her, husband character i guess he was in the theater or something he was going to be one of the squares and she had she was ovulating and they had to you know make a baby <laughs> of course so um so <laughs> so then where did you bury those bodies so well here's the thing oh oh right yes that's right oh but no i you know was, what? Don't, uh, don't worry about it i was saying alejandra's on her way i have to go rogue now before yeah yeah so we do our five shows, and if you recall, we, we did them like they were live, boom, 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 one yeah. after another, between 10 and like 4.30, and, and we had a one-hour break for a meal and all that. Then the, the, the people from the sitcom come in, and it was almost, it took that long again <laughs> to, shoot to shoot a scene. So that, so, yeah, the idea of, of waiting and doing another, oh, we've got to move the lights, we've got to do this, I like you know, Dancing with the Stars is great because I know exactly when it's going to start and exactly when I'll be at the bar over at the Grove. <laughs> it's actually on the schedule. Yeah, it's on the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it, you, were you a fan of game shows when you were growing up? Certain ones like uh, the original Hollywood Squares. Original with Hollywood Paul Squares. Paul Land and Peter Marshall. Password with, Password with was great. Alan Ludden. Yep. Uh, there were shows like, do you remember Art Linkletter? Of course. And he had uh, Art Linkletter's House Party was on. <laughs> that was the name of the show. You'd, you'd come home from school. I know, it's true. Art Linkletter's House Party. It was no party. No. But Please he, don't sit on the plastic. Yeah, we've put the furniture in plastic that's, for that's this right. house party. I actually, my, my wife's uh, parents, who now uh, passed away, had lived next to some people in Florida who did that. Their entire house was just sealed, vacuum sealed in plastic. And it was the weirdest thing to go over there. 
and try to make an evening of it if they didn't we'd be visiting them Listen, it's, it's you know it's fine if it's horribly uncomfortable and noisy when you shift around and weird as long as the furniture looks exactly the same as when you bought it is ultimately yeah and then of course it's in florida and it's hot and humid so you make those inadvertent farting sounds when you're trying to <laughs> stand up from the suction of the plastic on your buttocks so just farting yeah, the, uh, it was a lot of actual farting, but I used to blame the I love plastic. game shows. That was from them. <laughs> they, they were at an age where they didn't care. Uh, these plastic covers are fart covers. Yeah, that's right. Um, the uh, I, I loved game shows when I was growing up. Yeah. For some reason, I was just obsessed. With, I, lo- I loved like Joker's Wild and, mm-hmm. uh, and Jack I, Barry, right? Jack, Jack Barry. Barry. And Jack he wasn't Barry. he involved in the scandal? Yeah, in the twenty-one, 50s, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, um, the uh, oh the blank oh Kyle, what was the show we used to do with Pardo Live? Oh, uh, uh, Match Game. Match Game. Oh, Match. Oh, with Gene Rayburn. Match Match Game was sort of Match Game is really this kind of the spirit of what this show I'm doing for Comedy Central is, which is basically just like funny people just kind of being loose and yeah. fucking around. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, but Match Game was great. The, the the Gene Rayburn like Match Game seventy three. He he looked stewed all the time. They all looked toasted. <laughs> he looked absolutely shit faced. And and uh, well, Paulin didn't do well. Paulin was probably hammered on Hollywood on Squares. Hollywood Squares. Yeah, yes, he was. <laughs> but Gene Rayburn had this kind of uh, weird microphone that looked like it was some sort of proctology instrument. Yeah, and and, and it's long, thin, and he would. Kind of stagger over to Brett Summers and Charles <laughs> Nelson Riley and Richard Dawson and and leer at these poor young women contestants. It's just it was all very very creepy and yet compelling. Hey, Alberto, uh, microphone hey. inside you? Why? That's you right. Know? That's right. You ever feel a polyester lapel this wide, uh, sweetheart? Uh, I'm Braeburn. <laughs> I can crush you. Yeah, Jane, please, Jane. It's right. That's that's how they know that was the last <laughs> show. Of the yeah, day. that's right. That's, right. to, like, have, that's yeah. why there was Match Game 73, they had to shut it down, then 76. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. that's how we knew what year it was. It was mostly for Gene. Yeah. Those were really the time when you could just get plowed on television. Oh, yeah. And everyone sort of, I think the audience kind of understood that it was almost kind of charming. Well, it's funny, too, because uh, I'm shooting my final season of uh, America's Funniest Videos, and one of the producers, who's an absolute sweetheart, came to, the, to my dressing room in the first taping. She said, oh, look in your fridge. I said, what? And I opened the fridge, and there were like two bottles of booze in there. She said, I thought, you know, it's your last season. You might want to have a little. A little. I said, no, the last show I will, but not the, I don't want to be toasted the whole last season. <laughs> What if, what if like drunk Tom Bergeron on the show, like all of a sudden the show gets even bigger? Well, here's the oh no no then no that's all right that's then you want to go out on top. You want to go out while, on top. Yeah, while you're still on your original liver. Did you see <laughs> Bergeron? Bergeron took his shirt off on the show last yeah, night. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, yeah, that's, so that's what love handles look like. <laughs> but the thing is, I it, depending on uh, I would get uh, on vodka. I would just get Cosby drunk. I would right. just. I would just, then we got a video of a puppy, and the puppy is going to hump the leg of a socialite. I'm, That's wonderful. This is, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, you're missing a huge opportunity. Do you understand? Yeah. I mean, I know now, you, tequila would be like, <laughs> I'll get you, my pretties. But see, this is the thing. Now, you need to be focused on Dancing with the Stars, but funniest videos... You could totally fuck around. Well, and, and I do a bit because it's on tape and right. they edit, you know, they can edit around me, <laughs> <laughs> which they'll be doing a lot of next season. <laughs> I mean, you, you, it's, I mean, you, you've really, you, you've helmed like some real legacy shows on television. It's, it's, yeah. it's exciting. It's fun. It is fun. It is fun. I mean, it, you know, squares, I think are revived. Look, there'll never be a, a, another, uh, squares like the original because it, that was sort of an iconic game show. Yeah. But we did a, a, a really fine revival of it. I thought for six years and, and videos has been wonderful. I call that show the annuity <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and dancing with the stars, a show that when it was first proposed to me, I'm sure as most people thought a celebrity ballroom competition, you went, 
Yeah, right. Exactly. You know. like, who yeah. would watch that? Yeah. It turns out everyone would yeah, watch that. Yeah. So it's it's been uh, knockwood or whatever this desk is made of. We're not 100% okay, sure. Okay, I'm not either. Um, yeah. What uh, what do you think is the key to... And I'm also asking this for myself. <laughs> what do you think is the key to longevity? Like, how have you managed to n- not just stay in the game, but just like stay on top of the game for so long? I, You know, I... I I could give you the the stock answer that I have incriminating pictures of Disney executives, but uh, <laughs> but that's not true, unfortunately. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's a lot of luck, I think, and and um, just for me, it was just having fun with it, getting into the, the whole idea of how do I, how do I approach things as a host? Is okay, I'll, I'll respect the format up to a point, mm-hmm. and then see what kind of mayhem i can make within those boundaries so i'm like with with um dancing with the stars the british show which is still on the air in england strictly come dancing which is sort of the mothership of of all the dancing with the star shows right. in the world they already had set the template which i loved which is it's kind of a kitschy show it's a bit of a throwback to old style variety and they had fun with it and so that gave me the idea, oh, if I if I do this, I can play around with aspects of it. I can make fun of the costumes or the silly trophy or the spray tanning. Always very protective of the couples. <laughs> of course. And what they do, the effort they put out. But I'll go at the judges and, you know, I'll, I'll wink. With, like Fallon put together a, a, a bunch of clips of me giving the audience a hard time for continuing to clap to the music which had stopped, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, we'd come back from a break, the band would be playing, they'd be clapping to the music, the band would stop, they'd keep clapping to the music and it would break me up. And I didn't realize how many times I was going, you can stop clapping. <laughs> Did, see, they needed your leadership. Right. right they're just, right. They're every, everyone in the audience is, the momentum is moving. They right. don't know, like they just need one person. They to be can't, like, it's right. It's like that old Robert Klein thing. I can't stop my leg. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that'd be a really funny point in the show for you to just get like really joke mad at people. Yeah, yeah. Like, stop it! Well, that's what. Stop they, it! Well, when they put they put them all together, and that's what Fallon was doing. He's going, Tom Bergeron hates clapping. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, What are some of the shows? Oh, we should talk about failed pilots. Do you have okay. some? Do you have some good failed pilots? There was. They kind of. You know. They kind of disappear into my already. Uh, I bet. I, I'm sure I have was way one, worse ones. What did I do? There was one I did for. Well, I certainly had failed shows. We did a wonderful uh, cable show when FX first launched called Breakfast Time, which was based on the Big Breakfast in England. Oh right, right, and right. And it was in a loft apartment on in in the Flatiron District that. in New York, and then. Um, an executive uh, at Fox who moved on to Paramount uh, wanted to bring it to the Fox network, and he greenlit it, then he left, and then we were somebody else's project, and that was a disaster. That mm-hmm. was like we were on for a little less than half a year. Oh, man. Or half a season, I think. And But I met Whoopi there, so that led to Hollywood Square. So to your original question, a lot of it is just the happenstance of if you're working at one job and you're making connections, then... Things can happen. Meeting Whoopi, the two of us hitting it off, led to a year or so later me being offered the hosting gig at Hollywood Squares. But then you also got to, I mean, it's all the stuff that you got to remember like, oh yeah, show up on time and be nice to people (laughs) because you will not keep working if it's like, oh, he's kind of rough, rough. Well, but uh, seriously, this is the, we were talking before we started, uh, Chatting on on Mike, the hosting thing is like the cushiest gig in the whole show. It's it's really hard. It, what are you talking uh, about? Yeah, that show, yeah, of course. But you know, I, I Hollywood Squares was like that. I would walk in in the morning at at uh, ten o'clock, and you know there'd be bagels and breakfast food out. We'd all high five each other, and we'd start shooting at eleven. Like you know, we were out at four thirty. Bye bye. That's <laughs> it. Here's where you send the check. Right. You know, meanwhile, uh, 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 Dancing with the Stars, uh, they're, as we sit here kibitzing, there are people, you know, two blocks away that are killing themselves trying to learn a dance number, and, and the producers are putting on these, you know, these major uh, uh, productions together, and I get to stroll in on show day and be a wise-ass, <laughs> you know. that you're, the Dancing with the Stars actually does kind of scare the shit out of me, in terms of... That's one thing I don't think I would... 
if they ever said, hey, do you want to do this? It would be like, no. Why? I I why not? Like, yeah, I just don't. I just <laughs> not, yeah, why I not? I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. You're turning into Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to do it. See, I'm not going to dance on your show, Tom. <laughs> I'm not going to take my gams out for people. <laughs> Seriously, why would you not do it? I don't know. It? It's just the, like, it, the idea of it really scares the shit out of me. And I, I think it's probably too much of the comic gene. Uh-huh. Is having to do something and be really earnest about it, <laughs> and also try really like it's like people you have to try. It's a lot. Of, I mean, I'm not af- I'm not afraid of work. I work yeah all hours of yeah, the day. Yeah. But I but there's just something about it where you know I I could tell jokes in front of a million people and not be nervous about it. But 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 that show. Just the technical aspect of having to learn something in just a couple of days and be on point with another person, right? In where you're, you're literally. I, I, I would imagine the, the the people that go on that show have the kinds of stress dreams leading up to the performance. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. oh, it's t- today's the big assembly in school, and I'm not wearing pants. Like yeah. th- those types of stress dreams, or, or, or they're not wearing pants, and the spray tan machine knows exactly <laughs> where to shoot it, and then they're going to yeah. get judged. Yeah, afterwards. that's right. Yeah, I mean, it is like that kind of. Um, you know, it's test day. You know that that. But that, that's, that's why I say out. the host role in, in in that kind of environment is the easiest. Yeah. Because I get to you know I get to kind of play with and surf off all of that just stew pot of emotion that they bring to it. Right. And and again, I know that I'm going to be usually like I'll tease some of the pros that I've known for years, um, but. The the celebrities who come in, you know, a new bat, new bus pulls up every season, <laughs> and you know, I, I tend to be a lot more protective of them because it is hard. It is, right. it, but for me, it's just I, I love it. I, I love going on a live a live show and just not knowing what's going to happen. Who's it's been an really amazing? Faint or whatever. Who's been really amazing? Who has surprised you the most on that? Um, Jerry Springer. <laughs> Seriously, because I thought when they booked Jerry Springer some seasons ago. I thought, oh, really? Really? Because all I knew was the talk show mm-hmm. and the screaming and fighting and all that. And he's a mensch. He's an absolute sweetheart of a guy. And he lear- you, you wanted to learn how to do a, 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 a waltz, I think, so he could dance at his daughter's wedding. And he was Aww. like, I mean, it was all just, and he was, he was funny and warm and self-deprecating. And, and there's a lot of that where you, you think you know a person and then they come in to that environment as peculiar as it is and you just get to see a different different side of them which is also i mean which also is kind of watching the jerry springer show i mean i guess yeah he is a host of a show i suppose like that he's hosting that show but there is you know at some point do you ever feel like oh i want to do something that's even more of just me and not in within this structure. I mean, as much as you can sort of... Yeah, I suppose. I get that. <clears throat> Where you're not servicing a format, per se, but you're, you've got a bit more... We're friendly... Tra- like, when people ask me about hosting, I always say, well, it's like you're... You're a friendly traffic cop. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you got to keep it yeah. moving. Yeah. And then where you can, you sort of get to inject your personality, but you don't want to get in the way of the thing. Right. Right. So you just you, you just have to calibrate that balance. And that right. just takes – you just have to do it a shit ton before you can figure that yeah. out. Yeah. But, but, you know, but I find that when you're a guest on a show or when you can just go do something that it's so – it's so like Conan was on Talking Dead the other night. And I was like, how do you like the table's turn? And he was like, <clears throat> it's great. Yeah. Because there's no responsibility. He can just be funny. Right. Right. You don't have to worry about is this guest – Dying, or you know, do we? What are we going to do to set up the next yeah. break? Or all that's completely off the table. Yeah, it's really like I. I don't care if this show's dying right now because I'm a guest. <laughs> it's not my problem. It's not. It's really not my problem. What are you saying, Tom? <laughs> look, I'm not saying it's dying, but, <laughs> but uh, uh, this be, may never actually get out there. I'm just saying it doesn't yeah, matter yeah, if it yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> But do you? Is there anything else that you like? What what, are, what other what other aspects of your creative fulfillment are you? Do you, do you think you you would want to explore? You know, part of me thinks I I wouldn't mind getting back into um, like a radio esque kind of setting. Yeah. Again, because that was uh, you know bring bring the whole career full circle. <laughs> uh, but technology now with podcasts and stuff, sure. it's, it's just a whole different. Uh, way of looking at it and approaching it, so that has some appeal. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about hosting any more TV shows. I'm. A, I, th- I think I'm pretty. I mean, I'm not close to it, but at the same point, I don't see anything that really lights a fire in my gut. 
Do you feel like you need to... Uh, are you good with... I'm going to take a guess. I think you're probably pretty good with respecting your schedule and resting when you oh, can yeah. rest. Yeah. And- oh, I'm a, I'm a t- uh, TM meditator. I have been for years. I'm a gym rat and all that stuff. Yeah, so I'm pretty... Tell me about the meditation. Meditation started years ago because mostly of my temper, which is pretty much in check, so it works. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a that's a daily thing, once or twice a day, and and uh, I love it. Is it more about um, mindfulness or breathing, or just getting to a point where there's nothing in your head? What's no, the- there's that. I, I've been doing it for over thirty years, and there's never a point where there's nothing in my head. Right, and and I think that's what dissuades a lot of people from from taking up the. And again, whether it's TM or it's any other form, it's all branding, really. Right. The, the the core discipline is the same. You're focusing on something. And uh, in my case, it's a Sanskrit mantra that somebody gave me, which was selected especially for me. <laughs> hey! You know, except uh, it's, you know, whatever. Okay, fine. Right. But that's what I use. And, uh, and it's all about being present. It's about, particularly uh, in, in a work setting, you go to on a live stage, no second take. It's really in your, in your own best interest to be in that moment, not mm-hmm. to let your mind wander and such. But in the actual practice of meditation, thoughts come in all the time. The trick is not to worry about it. If you're aware of it, then you come back to whatever your focal point is, be it your breath or a word or a mantra or whatever, and just don't be judgmental about it. Just just acknowledge it and move on. You know, I've, I've said to people who, who've uh, asked me about it, think of it as styrofoam just bobbing on the top of a river. You, those are your thoughts. They're not good. They're not bad. They just are. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about it in terms of judgment because ultimately, I think um, I would guess judgment is probably the way that our brain tries to control and sort. Mm-hmm. It's like once you judge something, then you're sort of like, right. I'm taking ownership over this thing, and now right. I'm, I've sorted it. And, and so we try to do that for and, everything. And in the case of people trying to uh, learn to build that meditative muscle, they tend to sabotage themselves. Like, oh, I can't do it because there are thoughts in my head and I- just failing and it's just frustrating yeah. and all that instead of saying oh oh, oh the thoughts are okay fine just move them along yeah come back you know some days like i i meditated before i uh came in here and i almost fell asleep in the car <laughs> that's fine whatever each each time you sit is different you know um and and it's just you kind of go with it so it's so uh, just with your publicist here, it's probably good to point out that you probably started doing this 30 years ago. Was this after you uh, murdered a man with your bare hands and they said, we well, should probably meditate? It wasn't just a man. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, yeah. It, was, it was a busload of relief workers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll edit all this out. Yeah, that's fine. fine. Katie, yeah. don't leave it all in. Just leave all this in. Okay, yeah. it in. And the statute of limitations is so... Well, I guess there's none for murder. Right? I mean, <laughs> ah, damn it, son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alejandra. You'll visit me in prison, right? So, um, do you think, why well, this idea about moving Dancing with the Stars to San Quentin? Do you think yeah, maybe? Yeah, yeah, It gives, there'll be all kinds of different dances there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it, this, were you, so you were kind of a hothead when you were younger? Yeah, yeah. There were a few apartment walls that, uh, when I moved out, I'd put posters over the holes <laughs> oh, that I punched no. in them. Yeah, yeah. And I was never, uh, I, it was usually at stuff. It wasn't as peop, at people. Yeah. Uh, it would be more directed at myself or at inanimate objects. But yeah, I could, I could go off. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I tend to get more upset at, I think I'm good with big things I can, yeah. I can handle. Mm-hmm. I just get mad at like reception on this phone. I know? Well, there's, a, there's an old saying that I'll now butcher, but it's, it's about it's not the big things that cause a nervous breakdown it's the shoelace that snaps when there's no time oh shit you know? that's good that's what does it that's what yeah, that is yeah and so what was you what were you like growing up always uh interested in broadcasting and a, a, a real lover of of the silent film comedies and physical comedy yeah and, and uh so that i think that was uh, what really got me interested in doing the modern day equivalent, which was mime before <laughs> you know before yeah. we became the type of people who just annoyed you in public parks <laughs> uh, but one of the great gifts of my career was then to become friends with uh, Carl Reiner <gasps> and, and through him Dick van Dyke and oh. to to sit and be able to talk to them about 
the the stuff they created and and Van Dyke you know arguably was a man out of time i mean he would have they did a movie together called the comic mm-hmm. which was about billy bright as silent film comedian and van dyke was you know he's so brilliant at it and uh and it, so that was always something growing up both the idea of broadcasting or performing on stage but interesting not not acting so much just more of a free form kind of thing. what did you what did you I, wow i mean <laughs> You must have. I, I've had a couple of those moments with people where you're somehow you meet them and you're sitting across the table from them, and then you kind of like are like, "Holy shit!" And then you realize it must have been the same yeah. way with Dick Van Dyke. How yeah. did you guys? What did you learn from him, or what? How do you how do you mine him for information without him feeling like he's under a microscope? Well, we had a we had this wonderful lunch in Malibu about a year ago uh, with his wife. It was just the three of us, and it would it turned into like a two and a half hour. Lunch, and I basically, because I knew most everything about his career, and he was wonderful about talking about it. You know, just every from the the, the days of the Van Dyke show with Carl Reiner to uh, they did a, a new Dick Van Dyke show right. that didn't quite click the same way right. to to movies to you know just he he's great about kidding his Cockney accent from Mary Poppins, but a lot of it was about just how a career is putting one foot in front of the other, that it looks cohesive in hindsight. You can look at sort of the tapestry of something, oh, well, that this all makes sense, or that led to that, led to that. But in the moment when you're doing it, when you're, when you're just trying to make a living and support a family and get a gig and get the next gig, and it, it doesn't always have a clear direction to it. It's just... It's there's a lot of lucky happenstance. There is, and it, and it almost the business really does condition you to. It's almost bad, actually. I think it just conditions you to never get too excited about anything. Right. That's right. <laughs> Which sucks because you should be able to appreciate the the fruits of your accomplishments, yeah. but just in the same way that you got where I you know I or I say to people like. You know, if you're in a down period, like don't take that too seriously. You almost can't take the up periods well, that's too right. seriously that's either. Right. Yeah, we 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 live in Connecticut and out here, and split the year when when I'm not shooting out here, and we live next door to two lawyers in in Connecticut. And I remember one time we were all to dinner together, and they said, and I think this was after I had the 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 Fox spinoff of the cable show had been you know canceled and. I was in line to do Good Morning America, but that didn't pan out, and you know, and but things were still, you know, checks were still coming in, and, yeah, you know, but they said I, I can't imagine how you can live like that. It's just, <laughs> and and I'm thinking is, you know, I'm fond of them, but I can't imagine living like that. You know, you know, it just it, going to a desk every day with a yeah, stack of papers that right, you have to go through, right, and and litigious assholes every day. <laughs> you know, I'd much rather take my chances doing this. Yeah, I mean because it. You know the, the 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 good when it's when it's good. Right, we're constantly challenged by new experiences, and we get a new you know like a whole new. You kind of get to start over, and, and you get to. I had a great conversation with Henry Winkler about that very thing when when uh, he and Michael Levitt took over as the executive producers of Hollywood Squares in its last two years, and Henry and I did a, a media tour one city every day, and you need know, the junket type thing, and we were at Penn Station waiting to get on a train. And I was, I was saying, you know, when you were Fonzie, you were like all four Beatles in one person. I mean, that was like incredible. That, and he said, right. And he said, I knew that everybody has peaks and valleys to their careers. But when it was happening, he said, I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll be that anomaly. It, it'll be peak to peak. <laughs> there won't be a valley. And then, of course, there was. Yeah. And what he did and what anybody who has, I think, a healthy approach towards any career, you learn to diversify. You Mm -hmm. learn, okay, if if Fonzie is is lightning in a bottle, what can I now do? Well, he became a producer and a director and and, uh, a a writer. He has a successful series of children's books. I mean, he does all kinds of stuff. And people... Uh, William Shatner is another person who's become a friend, and he's like another poster guy. 83 is not a poster boy anymore, but he <laughs> certainly acts like it. But he's 
what a career he's had. Yeah. You know, and he, he says he, he's like a good improv performer. He says yes to everything. <laughs> you know, he really does. And he's, he's, uh, he's, he's been a, a real, as Carl Reiner has been a real uh, good person for me to get to know uh, at this point in my career. You have to diversify. And, yeah. and, and I always, just from working on a lot of different things, and people are like, why do you work on so many different things? Like, because I don't know, you know, like, I don't want to have so many eggs in one basket. I, it's too many times have I put all my emotional energy or all my financial hopes into right. one thing, and then, you know. This is the first time in my career that I've deliberately said, in, in the case of uh, videos, this is my last season. I'm choosing to wrap it up here. The show will no doubt continue. Are you asking me to take over for you? You can is if that you what want. You, is that what I'm, you I'm want? I'm giving you this opportunity. Okay. My young Padawan. <laughs> I'm a Padawan. <laughs> oh, the Chris, dark side. Chris, I am your father. <laughs> what? I'm actually okay with that. Okay. Yeah, you seem like a good guy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's not weird. Um... Apart from the uh, the murdering the busload of relief workers, you know what they had? Yeah. It. They shouldn't have been there in no. the first place. No, you know what? And they were getting a little pushy. Seriously, yeah. so yeah. pretentious. Yeah. We were helping people. They had pamphlets and Ugh. stuff. You know, they had they had it coming. That's right. I'm glad you flipped that bus over yeah. with your hands. My bare hands. Your bare hands. Lucky there was a ravine nearby. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, time. Stop. Meditate. You gotta meditate. Yeah. Now. Oh, oh, right. Um, fuck it. There they go again. Fuck it. Uh, Tom, but, the Tom Bergeron Ohm fuck it method. Ohm, ohm, fuck, ohm it. fuck it. There's no place like Ohm. <laughs> <laughs> that should be my book on meditation. <laughs> Hello. There's no place like Ohm. Ooh. Goodbye. Goodbye. So, so, this, so you made the conscious yeah, decision. Yeah, this is the first time uh, instead of do, doing the multiple gigs, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to stop this one and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And And if... If no real clear thing, that's good. That's good too, you know, because there's something in that that I'm kind of curious about. You should do a podcast. I think honestly, yeah. Well, I think you'd love it. Yeah, I think I would too. Actually, just having conversations with yeah. people that you like about interesting things. Because and... I was asking before you got here, I was asking your gang here. I said, "So, do you do this every week?" I said, well, <laughs> you know, sometimes we do. Like we we bank a whole bunch of them, and mm-hmm. we don't we don't even send them out for a few months. And really. Yeah, you could. I get you could. You could. You know, if you did a if you did a weekly show, the only thing you have to do, the thing you have to make sure is that you know you're making a deal with your audience. Yes, and so you're making you're making this emotional contract, and they right. just want to know that you will hold up your end of the bargain. So right. whatever your whatever your your period of your release schedule is, just stick to it. Sure, so it's like if you tell them it'll be once a month, and you know, then they know that's the right. agreement. If you tell them once a week, just you know. Be consistent, and that's all you. That's all you really have to do. And then beyond that, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, you'd love it. Yeah, I'm. I'm sold. I'm good. Now, if you emotionally let them down, though, how how angry can they get? Have they turned on you in the past? Have you been on the internet? The the interwebs. The interwebs. Uh, yeah, it can be like they can get a little snarky. It can be like uh, walking through Mordor. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I think ultimately, as long as you know, I mean, we're not, and we could actually even be more consistent with our show. Like we could post at the same exact time of day every time, and we don't, mm-hmm. and that's my fault because you know Katie's always ready to post and I'm it's my schedule it's like oh right. I didn't have time to record the intro last night I'll do it in the morning yeah, so yeah. and so sometimes like if a podcast hasn't posted by like one in the afternoon people are like what the fuck's up bro but you know that it's because they care about what you're doing and so you can't you know no, you can't be true. like yeah. hey get the Leave me alone, yeah. man. I've got a tough life. Yeah, come on. It's real hard. Here I mean, in Hollywood. <laughs> it's, so, it's so hard here. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I went to one Starbucks. They were out of the chai. Like, it's like oh, my God. All the way to Beverly and La Brea and rush hour traffic. Wow. I mean, it's, it's hard, Tom. People I just know. don't understand. Where, yeah. do you, where do you shoot? We shoot uh, dancing at Television City, CBS. Oh, that's where we do Talking Dead. Yeah. Oh, you do that? Yeah. Which stage do you and do? And we're in Ferguson's old stage. Oh, okay. But when he was in the smaller stage. And, and we we did, of course, Hollywood Square is like right downstairs from that building. Oh, right. Yeah. Down where the... Yeah. 
That's a that is a great building. The, the Bob Barker Studio. Yes, where they do Price is Right, where Drew does Price is Right. Now. Well, when the one floor down from Talking Dead is is where they do it's Price is Right, and all these soap operas that yeah. I'm surprised are somehow still on the air. One Life to Be Restless. Yes, One Life shows. to Be Restless yeah. and Young and Bold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young, young and Bold and, and sort of young and and restless because they should not. They're figuring out when the when the ball's going to drop. How many are left? I don't know. There can't be that many. I think there's just a couple. Wow. But it, but what's really fun is going downstairs, and they just leave all that prices right shit out yeah. in the hallway. Yeah, you could just go spin the wheel if you want to. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you're supposed to, but I, I do it. I, I took a Plinko game home. <laughs> <laughs> I just want the little yeah. the little mountain climber. Right. Yeah, I yeah. want the little. I had my Mustang convertible top down. What's he doing with that? No, Big I'm, I'm, green seventies noir thing. I'm Tom Bergeron. Shut yeah. the fuck up. <laughs> like, was, sorry, I got to meditate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, the the wheel though was the. Strange... I'm taking it home. All right. Home. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Uh, the, the, when you spin the wheel, the wheel's heavier than you think it's going to be. Yeah. The Price is Right wheel. And then depressingly, <laughs> it's heavier than you it, think. It, it is. Really? I you know yeah. And now yeah. I totally get why some you know like grannies don't get it all the way around yeah. once. They stroke out. And then they... <laughs> That's the last thing I remember seeing. Let's give her the... Let's Where's give her Drew the... looking down on me let's saying... give him the living room set. <laughs> yeah, that's right. To her. But it, it, it also... <laughs> and I know how television works, and I still uh, was surprised that when I spun the wheel, it just goes thud, 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 thud. And I actually found myself alone one day spinning the wheel and just going... Like making the sound so that it would feel the way. It I feels. think that's when you know you need a vacation. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, yeah is yeah. that a? I think that's the that moment word? you go. I'm too into this. this is maybe too yeah, much. Yeah. What do you do on your time off? Um. What do I do? Am I? It's it's kind of interesting because the way these shows are structured, uh, it I don't go to work every day now. Right. So I kind of, you know, sometimes I'm in Connecticut and sometimes we're out here. And uh, what do I go to the gym? I, you know, I, I find a Starbucks. I read the New York Times. We get together with friends, you know. Normal people stuff. Normal people stuff. Yeah. So you don't have like a wood shop or something or you build motorcycles on the side? I build motorcycles in my wood shop. And the sad <laughs> thing wood. is, the mo- yes, uh, there are a lot of fires. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to make it work. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, I think there's a future for wood motorcycles. I don't know why you just made me think of like in the... It's 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 funny to sort of look back at uh you know a hundred years ago and just be like yeah look how dumb they were they're sending kids into factories and working around all sorts of stuff that kill them I mean we obviously we do the same thing uh I it, we put cell phones to our heads and we drink right, plastic exactly. bottles and it's like, yeah, we're, we're I, just as fuck I put two Splendas in this I'm sure that I'm gonna have a a Splenda tumor in about ten years look at that a Splenda baby yeah but it uh, but but it's it's all those you know like. When you hear about this, like the, they just built everything they had to build out of wood. Yeah, and it's like, oh, and then the Ringling Brothers would build this thing, and then it would go up in flames, and they'd build another five-story building, and then that would explode, and they'd yeah. build another one. Yeah. Oh, the methane from all the animal poop did that. You know, like <laughs> just thinking about. It. It's a wonder people ever left their home. It's a wonder that we have survived, survived. as long as we yeah. have. Yeah, even though we're you know just a blink of an eye in the I history know. of the planet. Meanwhile, bacteria is going. These people are persistent. <laughs> They're worse than we yeah, are. Yeah, I know. We can do this. Yeah, right. <laughs> the bacteria is going to take us down. <laughs> it's. Uh, it, it, I imagine every generation probably has the same sort of like. Well, we're fucked. But we. Oh yeah. Well, there's a lot of reason to think that now. <laughs> I, you know, I look at my daughters in their twenties, and and uh, I, I, you know, we talk sometimes about what their perspective of the world is and and i think part of it is because the world is smaller because of technology mm-hmm. so we know everything that's we we know uh, a lot about you know like the ebola outbreak or isis or whatever it is it's freaking you out it's it's, it's, it's happening it's, in the it's moment. happening in the moment yeah so the world is a lot smaller now so maybe that's part of it it's it's not any more dangerous it's just we're our brains are so much full of stuff well and all and all, and all, most of the stuff is really is the news is you know i mean to get your attention i mean obviously there are some things that we should all collectively know about yeah some of the things that you mentioned but also when it starts to get like fringe fear tactics yeah where it's like just trying to get people to 
you know, these news outlets are corporations and they want your attention and they know if they scare the shit out of you, then they'll get your attention. So it just seems like we're, everything is horrible, but it, everything's not horrible. It's the equivalent of, uh, I don't know if this happens in other parts of the country, but in L.A., of course, the moment uh, somebody in a car takes off from police all programming stops so that <laughs> helicopters can show you the chase. Right. You know, and then you're li- you're looking at a screen of just one car. You know, it's the old Bronco with OJ. I, I like think. to I, I like to call that free range NASCAR. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I kind of like that. It's the same sort of thing where it's like you're watching and and you're part of it is like, is he going to hit? Is he going to hit? I something? know. You know. Oh, he's coming up to it, and, oh. and they go golf announcer on. Uh, he's coming up to an intersection now, and this will be a very difficult left turn. Um, he's going, oh, he's yeah, made the conversion oh, yes, through the red oh, lights. Oh, look, the, the, the mother uh, pushing the stroller is uh, just past. Oh, good. Oh, that's good. I was close. And here comes Bergeron, and yeah, he's trucking right. after, just angry, just yeah, whipping off right. his shirt. That's right. Eight pack. <laughs> Bergeron smash. That's the same energy that, if you recall, back 30 years ago, took down a busload of relief. <laughs> Tom Bergeron, does an he still host, have the mojo? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a force of nature. <laughs> but it is. It, I, I guess part of part of the longevity thing is really just appreciating it when it when it's happening. Yeah. Oh, and, absolutely. And just taking yeah. those moments to. You know, because I, you know, I'm, I'm having a nice moment right now, but I, it's not going to be forever. So I'm just trying to be like, okay, no, this is the thing. This is the mm-hmm. thing. You just gotta like, just be grounded and try yeah. to appreciate it. Yeah, because it does go fast. I mean, it, it, anything. I mean, whether it's you know, you're talking about a career or a relationship or a life. It just you know, suddenly I remember my my late grandmother. Uh, she was ninety. I think she was almost 93 when she, she died. And she, up until a few months before she died, she was still driving her own car, had her own apartment, drank a gin martini as big as her head every night. <laughs> and uh, and I, re- I remember taking her out to dinner and saying, are you, are you frightened of dying? She goes, no, not really. She said, but it goes fast. She said, it really went by fast thinking wow she's almost 93 and she's looking back at her life and it's like yeah you know like that so it's it's good to uh, get ginned up and appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> i guess my question is papa tom how do i not fuck this up <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's a good that's a good i mean i i guess also you know the older you get your your brain can only has only held on to so many details yeah. and so when you think about it it's like oh that's all I can think of that in a handful of moments that flick mm-hmm. by like a mm-hmm. like an iTunes library. Yeah, you know. I did a book uh, in 2009 called "I'm Hosting as Fast as I Can," <laughs> and uh, and it was a, it was a great discipline to try to connect those dots and and make a narrative out of it. You know, part of it was also a, a book about meditation too, as a sort of a subplot, but or subtext, but also finding you know what did I remember. <laughs> number one, and I found I had to call a lot of people. Is this how you remember it? I, <laughs> and then, and then trying to string it together in a way that that made some sort of narrative sense was was a good discipline for me. I enjoyed it. Though. Are you going to be someone that you think will, will you want to be kind of like working for the rest of your life, or at a certain point you're going to be like, yeah, I, you know, I'm good. I just want to like. I've always admired what Carson did when he left. He just, just dropped off he was the like, planet. Bye bye. Yep. You know, I'll be uh I'll be at Wimbledon and I'll be on my boat. Yeah, and he uh when you see those kind of li- pictures of him later in life, like yeah. he he really just let it all No, go. he kind of put on some weight. The yeah, last time he was shit. on TV was uh, he brought Letterman uh, a top 10 list, I think when Letterman was doing his show in in LA. And he came out and he was still Johnny Carson, but he had popped, you know, maybe packed a few like 20 pounds on. He yeah. just he was sort of a the Falstaff version of Johnny Carson, <laughs> you know, it was really kind of cool. But he, you know, but you, boy, he's a guy that I would really be interested for someone to do a deep dive into. Yeah. what because I, I, it, I talked to Carl Reiner about Carson because, and I worked with Ed McMahon uh, on a number of the the Jerry Lewis telethons and things, and I and we'd go to dinner and I would always pick his brain about Carson. And Carl used to play poker with him. There was a great. Uh, poker, it was like Carson, Carl, uh, Chevy Chase sometimes, Jesus. Um, Steve Martin, and they would, and Carl said, 
Carson was pretty serious about the game and kind of shy and not, you know, but uh, not very social outside right. of, you know, he, he owned that show. Certainly he, he, he commanded that stage, but he was, he was not great with uh, groups of people yeah. that he didn't know. Yeah, it's it's it just it feels like it just feels like there was something real dark going on there. Oh, and he would talk. He would talk about uh, Carson would talk about alcohol not being his. You know, like he he would turn. He would have. And McMahon told me that that uh, Johnny Carson could just have two drinks. It wouldn't take a lot, but suddenly you know McMahon would be pulling, especially when they did the show in New York before yeah. they moved out to Burbank. And they'd be out after the show, and <laughs> McMahon would be basically his bodyguard taking him out of a bar. <laughs> Which shit. But yeah, he, he definitely had a dark side. I mean, that, and that was, you know, it, it, that almost, it, it's almost kind of a romantic ideal, even though it's, it sounds really gritty and dirty, yeah. but just this idea that you could be one of the most famous people in the yeah. world and getting into shit, but because there's no social media and the press, well, right. it's like, absolutely. you just get away with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it was a whole, look at JFK and, and his, now we hear about all, he was like banging Judith Wexler who had connections to the mob and all this stuff. Nowadays, he just couldn't get away with no, it. No, 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 no. He'd, he'd take a selfie. Yeah, that, that's and... right. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It, would, it would get I mean, out. Yeah. I mean, it was even uh, even Monica Lewinsky. It's almost quaint by comparison to what it's like now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I remember the days when you could get a blowjob and a pizza in the Oval Office. <laughs> The only, the only, the only people you had to worry about spying on you were the Russians. It's like now yeah, the entire right. world is spying on everyone yeah, else. Yeah, like, yeah. We're all, we're all just doing it yeah. ourselves. Mikhail Gorbachev just saw you get that blowjob on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my! Oh, don't tell Nancy. I don't know. I was just trying to keep it. Well, well, I didn't really understand how yeah. the, how does this yeah. contraption work? Peace with honor. <laughs> <laughs> I think of Reagan as a non-evil Montgomery Burns. Yeah, or is yeah. this sort of like he's just, yeah. just sort of like a dopey cousin? Right. To, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I yeah. don't know. Carol, you, you like a jelly bean? <laughs> Smithers. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is fun. I think we're just about we're just about All right. an hour, Tom Burns. Wow. What do you want to promote? You, you, uh, you want to promote Dancing well, with the Stars? Yes, Dancing with the Stars every Monday night on ABC and, and, and America's Funniest Videos. We're in our 25th season. That's fucking crazy. Sunday, Sunday nights at 7. My God. On, on, on ABC. On ABC. On ABC. On ABC. Come on down. That's right. There's a one week you got to host Dancing with the Stars like that. You, you have to do... What are you going to do for your last episode of either of those shows? Are you going to do something crazy or do you feel like, oh, I'll just let it sort of be... Well, I think I'll take that producer up on her uh, offered liquor uh, for the last uh, AFE. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's another guy getting hit in the nuts so many fucking times. You have to see that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's, We're a cop for Christ's sake. I don't sake. even... Oh, you shot. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll put you on a trampoline to hell. And then then the the first episode of the next iteration of the show is that video of you freaking out. Yeah, me in a a straight jacket. (laughs) Like chunks of vomit down. Yeah, right. Being tasered by producers. (laughs) Get him out of here. You can't take me down. I'm not human. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And Saget's going, I know I've been there. <laughs> Second's like, all right, I guess I'll just take yeah. my dick out. Man. Yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do full house again. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> Are you on social media at all? Yeah. Are yeah. You, uh, Twitter, Twitter, Tom underscore Bergeron, and I'm verified. Yeah, excellent. But that's that's pretty much uh, and and Instagram. I Facebook. I have. I kind of lost interest in that. Now, basically, my only Facebook presence is when my tweets go to the yeah. news feed or whatever. It is. Yeah, it goes over there. But I like Twitter. I think Twitter is a great great kind of fun way. You on Instagram at all? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Same is it Tom underscore Bergeron? Yeah, no, it's just Tom, just, uh, Tom Bergeron one one word. Good to know. Yeah. This has been fun. I, I know. Hope, uh do you have any more good uh comedy power lunches coming up? 
Um, having lunch tomorrow with Shatner. What? Yeah, that's that's always fun. That, He's great. That's always fun. He was he was on this. He was on the podcast. I don't know, maybe like six months ago or something. He he is it's like great. He is eighty three, going on like thirty. You you can't. No, he looks great. amazing. Yeah, he does. And is that? But beyond that, his passion for things, his energy. Uh, w- my wife and I went down to Louisville, Kentucky. No, my bar- uh, Lexington, was born? Lexington, oh, okay, Kentucky. Was born Sorry, Never mind. sorry. Fuck Lexington. One of those, <laughs> one of those L cities uh, to Lexington because they were. Uh, he and his wife were um, doing a. Uh, they were at a horse show and they were mm-hmm. competing and all that. So I had hosted the Fourth uh, of July for PBS in Washington, and we went down to Lexington after that and hung out for a couple of days with them. And it was Liz and, and my wife Lois were in our rental car, and I'm in a truck with Bill driving. And it was just it was surreal on some level. I'd look over there going, the fucking Captain Kirk. <laughs> and yet he is such a fun guy. He's, he's hilarious. He's and, amazing. And never dull. Never dull. He, uh, I was, he's one of those guys where... Um, well, and I said this to him when he was on the show, and it, I was actually, I was, it was accidentally insulting. <laughs> where I was like, "Wow, I always used to really kind of freak out about getting older, but it, you like seeing you at this age, like it just, it's so comforting to know that I could, you know, yeah, you know, you really bring me a lot of comfort." And he was like, well, "Who's going to comfort me?" And I'm like, "Yeah, oh, but he's good. At, I mean, he's really funny about it. I mean, he doesn't, uh, he makes no pretense about it. But it really is. And and again, uh, Carl Reiner at ninety two. Yeah, Dick Van Dyke at eighty-seven. The the uh, I, I, these people just give me great hope. <laughs> and it's not so much about career achievements as attitude, as a, as a, a just you've got to stay passionate about stuff. Yeah, Carl still gets up and writes every day. Uh, you know, Dick is still doing you know movie appearances and things, and 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 Bill's got nine projects at once all the time. Yeah, and and it's just about being, you know, getting up and 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 wanting to learn something new or do something. That's else. the key. Is, yeah. is is you have to be learning constantly. Right. Yep. And when you stop, yep. when you start getting too protective of your, you know, like oh, I don't have the energy for that. That's when you yeah, get that's, old. Yeah, you're you're old the day you say you are. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I, was, I I had a conversation with a friend of mine last night about the Joan Rivers documentary, and he was like, actually. I thought it was kind of sad that she was her age and but still just so hungry. And I was like, but that's what kept her uh, alive yeah, and relevant. Yeah. And, you know, Mel Brooks is the same way that it's like he's got a bunch of stuff going on, too. He wants to right. learn. He's still hungry. And that's yeah. that's what you need. I, I think. thought that documentary, I, I gave her so much credit for that because she let warts and all in that thing. I mean, she she, she could have said, OK, we're going to do a documentary, but it make me look good all the time. And she she let that desire to be relevant. And uh, I mean, one time when I was having dinner with with uh, Shatner, I said to him pretty much that same thing. I said, "Why do you still? Why? I mean, you could just kind of be on cruise control now." And he says, "I just want to be pertinent." Yeah, I thought, well, that's that's a great way to look at it. I just want to be. I just still want to be in the game. Yeah, even if you know, and at that point, I mean, when you're younger, I think it's 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 more of an. Well, you're trying to build of, a career, and yeah, you know, all but it's that. probably more of an exercise of ego when you're younger. But I think yeah. when you get older, it's an exercise of of emotional survival. I think you have yeah. to, yeah, because you know, I mean, Johnny, I mean, I know he had emphysema. I think it was emphysema. It was. That's what killed um, him. Yeah. But you know, he. He just kind of went downhill pretty fast. Well, and there, you know, when when he died, Letterman did his monologue, and after the monologue was done, told us the audience that all of those jokes had been written by Johnny Carson. Carson would write jokes and would send them to Letterman oh. periodically. And from what I've heard, if if Letterman used one of the jokes. Carson would call like Freddie DeCordova or some somebody who was involved in his, you know, Peter LaSalle or whoever. Hey, he used one of my jokes today. Oh, so there was still that some, yeah, something. But I, I just, I, I for whatever reason, he didn't feel the need to get back into it. I think my guess is that, without knowing anything about him, is that looking at someone who had two very distinct sides yeah. of them, this yeah. very public-facing yeah. side, particularly, which is, I think, just really a product of the society at the time. Sure. It was like, there was this, you know, you can't let anyone in, you have, this is the facade, and this is professional, and then home is different. 
I it must, the older you get, it must take an enormous amount of energy to keep that up. Right. But if you right. can still be yourself, yeah. then I think it's a little more yeah. seamless, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. than having to having to you know like, don don the attire. Yeah, the yeah. attire mm-hmm. and have to. Pretend to like people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Attire has the word tired almost in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for coming a on. Pleasure. No, and this is a pleasure. Please come back and and uh, I I'd love to. I should. I'd love to come to uh, how many episodes of where are you at in the season with Dancing with the Stars? Uh, we're about halfway through. We we just did week five. Where we're going to be until uh, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. You're welcome anytime. I should come. I, I, I should know bring a my guy mom. Who can get you VIP. Tickets. What? Oh yeah. Who is okay. it? It's you know what, Mister Meditator over here. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, it's Chris. Chris who? Yeah. You're yeah. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I was in a meditative state. I checked uh, yeah, out for I that was, whole. Uh, yeah. Except for that whole thing. All right. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Murder on My Mind, a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus, explores the circumstances leading up to the murder of two young men and the mistrials of the man accused of killing them. Up-and-coming rapper YNW Melly gained notoriety in the hip-hop world for his shocking lyrics and criminal exploits. When two of his best friends were gunned down in a drive-by shooting, investigators suspected the young rapper staged the scene. But after not one but two trials that ended in hung juries and new evidence that may place YNW Melly at the scene of the crime, his trial has been paused indefinitely. With countless twists and turns, Law and Crime covers all angles of the case and begs the question, is this young artist the victim of a witch hunt or a silver-tongued devil who's evil to the core? Listen to Murder on My Mind exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.